Well, let's begin this morning by reading Romans chapter 8, and we'll read verses 12 through 14. Romans chapter 8, and beginning at verse 12. Romans 8, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. That is, mature ones, not just born ones, not just children of God, but sons of God that have learned in this life to enter into all the privileges as well as the responsibilities of a full-grown, mature son. And the condition is those that are led by the Spirit. As you search Paul's teaching, you find out that the believer's thoughts and attitudes and actions can be controlled and influenced by one of two mindsets. And we've kind of considered this in the two natures. But the believer, the Christian, can be controlled by the thinking of the sinful flesh, the deceitful lust of the flesh. And and that adjective is often used with the the desires and the impulses of our sinful nature with which we were born, because they are deceitful. They promise one thing. They promise joy, peace, and, and all the things that you're looking for. They promise if you do this this way, according to that fallen nature that we have, things will be great in your life. But it's a lie. And so we can be controlled by those deceitful lusts, or we can be controlled by that new spiritual life that we've been given that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so in my series on essential doctrines, we are currently studying the importance of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And so we want to continue that. We've already considered receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and how that that is an experience separate from salvation, but one that is for every believer. This morning, I want us to consider what it means to be led by the Spirit, or there's several synonymous phrases, uh, to live by the Spirit, or to be led by the Spirit, or to be filled or full of the Holy Spirit. All of those things are speaking to to the same thing. And that is simply that the believer that is led by the Spirit is one who is characterized by spirituality, one who understands the will of God for their life and does it by the power and the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And so if we're going to to be the kind of Christian that we need to be, we need to acknowledge who the Holy Spirit is. Let him lead us. This life, this Christian experience is, it's a journey and it's all of your life from the moment that you accept Jesus as your savior. We're headed home We're pilgrims, we're going to that heavenly home, but this life matters, and how we live this life matters for eternity, and it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to give us the next step, and every stage of life, we we are represented here all the way from Elias, uh, all the way, uh, I'm not going to point out the oldest one here today, Uh, but whoever the oldest one is here. There's a lot of different stages of life, and 
every stage has its own problems, has its own um, difficulties, decisions that have to be made. And in each of those steps, no matter where you are in life, we each need to learn to let the Holy Spirit direct us to the next step in this journey. It's the only way that's going to lead to God's blessings in this life as well as in eternity. This Christian life is a race course. A race has certain limits. It's a race course is, is laid out, and if you're going to run lawfully, if you're going to win the prize, you've got to stay in your lane. You've got to follow the course that's been set for you. The same is true for the Christian walk. But only the Holy Spirit can give you that direction and that next step. So clearly, his work is important for us to recognize. Some of the things that we're called to do, that the Holy Spirit leads us to do, is for every Christian. Gathering together in Jesus' name, prayer, studying the Bible, all of those things the Spirit will lead all of us to do. And we need all to be sensitive to that direction, and not all Christians are. Then there are other things I'm called to that you're not called to. There are things that you are called to that I'm not called to. Different relationships and circumstances where God places you to do his will and to influence others, to point others to Christ. So there are things that that pertain to me that don't pertain to you, but I have to know what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. And the same is true with you. So once again, there's the leading, the direction of the Holy Spirit. This is what it means to be led by the Spirit or to walk in the Spirit. It's not a matter of walking in a trance. You know, it, it sounds very mysterious to be led by the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. It doesn't mean you're walking around in a trance, your head up in the clouds. It means that there are specific decisions that are being made that are done according to what the Spirit reveals to be right, and we start. How do you start walking in the Spirit? You know what the Bible says. Who inspired the Bible? The Holy Spirit. So that's where you start. Before you can begin to really recognize the voice of the Spirit, the direction of the Holy Spirit in your life for those those decisions that aren't specifically listed in the Bible, where to go to college, who to marry, specifically those things, well, you're not going to find that in the Bible. But before you can learn to recognize the voice of the Spirit for those decisions, you need to start by listening to the voice of the Spirit that's given through the Word of God, that's spoken through the Bible, those clear instructions for life. And as you learn to be led by those instructions— you're going to begin to recognize what's of the Spirit and what's of your flesh, what's of your personal desires, and what's truly in accordance with the Word of God. And so we start with knowing the Bible and obeying it. For us to understand that there is, we, we often, I often use the term fullness, the fullness of God. We need to understand that that is a biblical term. Let's go to Ephesians 3. I want the fullness of God in my life. I want it now, and I want it in eternity. And the reason that I want it is because God wants it for me. The fullness of God in me and through me is what's going to bring him the greatest glory in eternity. Because for me to enjoy that is only by his grace. I can't boast in it. And so if I 
enjoy the fullness of God by walking in the spirit, it brings glory to his grace. And so that's why I want the fullness of God. I don't want to just have the bare minimum. So many Christians are just glad to know they're saved and going to heaven. And if that's all we had, that would be that would be fantastic. But man, we have so much more than that. Our salvation is full and complete, and God wants us to enter into all of it. That's why Jesus died. He died that we might ultimately sit in the throne with him to rule and reign. And we need to appreciate what the fullness of God means. Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now, this is Paul's prayer for the saints of this church age. He is the apostle to the Gentiles. He's the apostle of this church age. And this is what he's praying for us. And when you have these few, relatively few examples of Paul's prayers, notice always what his emphasis is. It's for our spiritual maturity that we might be the sons of God. Verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You have to believe him. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, that is to experience it. This is not just a head knowledge. This is to experience God's love for you manifested through the life of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So you see, I'm not making this up. God wants this for me. He wants it for you. What is that fullness? It's everything Christ died to give you. The fullness of of God, to be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Can I really have all that God intends for me to have? The fullness of God? He's able to do it. I can't gain it. I can't earn it. But God's able to provide it for me if I will learn to listen to the direction of the Holy Spirit for my life. It really is that simple. It's a dependence. It's not stressing to try to do the work, to be what you think you ought to be or what you think God wants you to be. It's simply yielding to what he will make you. Is that your desire? You have to start there. Do you want the fullness of God for your life? Do you want to enjoy all the blessings that Christ died to give you? Paul prayed for the Ephesians that they may experience the full measure of God's love for them and to be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, if every believer, if every Christian automatically enjoyed and benefited from the fullness of God, do you see why how this petition of Paul would be pointless? Why would he pray like that? If it was automatic, oh, you're saved, so you got the fullness of God. You're a son of God and enjoy all the benefits of a full-grown, mature son. No, it's not automatic. You have to yield to this work. You have to want it, desire it, because your father wants it for you. 
And then when you come to that, that desire, I want, I want what God wants for me, then you begin to acknowledge, he said, it's by the Spirit's power, not mine. It's by the Spirit's power. So I need to recognize him in my life. I need to acknowledge. I need to ask the Father for that revelation. What is the will of God in this situation, in this decision? God's able to do the work. Let's go to Ephesians 5. So we've, we've seen in Paul's prayer that the fullness of God is available for us, and it's directly connected with his love, all that he, because he loves us, all that he's provided for us. Now in Ephesians 5, we have a connection with that fullness of experiencing God's love. Ephesians 5.15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, to walk with your head up, to, to walk upright, to be able to see things as God sees them, redeeming the time. That means buying up the opportunities. All of us are given opportunities to be spiritual, but you got to take them. You got to buy them. You say, well, I thought the gospel was free. Yeah, it's free. But what do we read in Proverbs? Buy the truth and sell it not. To get an understanding of truth, the will of God, so that you might be able to walk in the will of God, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you time, energy. You're going to have to put other things off in order to take advantage of certain opportunities. I mean, one example is for you to come here today. You could have gone to the mountains. Nothing wrong with going to the mountains, not even on a Sunday. But there are choices that you make for the direction of your life, that characterize your life. If that's what you do all the time, you're not buying up the opportunities to learn more of God's Word. And that's just one example, your own private prayer time, meditation, your own private study of the Word of God. It takes time. It costs something. But those are the things that lead to spirituality because it gives an understanding of the will of God. And then as you seek the Holy Spirit to empower you to do, to obey the will of God, redeem the time because the days are evil. Satan wants to distract you. He wants to rob you. He wants to do you harm. Buy up the opportunities to be strong in the Lord. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, or just, it's just a waste, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, this word filled, it's the same word that Paul used in his prayer, the fullness of God, that we might be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. So Paul's talking about the same thing. The fullness of God is experienced, the, f the fullness of his love is experienced by being filled with the Holy Spirit. This goes beyond that initial experience of speaking in tongues, receiving the gift. This is a daily being full of the Holy Spirit. Instead of being under the influence of natural wine, alcohol, or any other influence for that matter, instead of being controlled by those things, in this case specifically the chemical of alcohol, be controlled and influenced by the Holy Spirit. There are certain signs when people are drunk, right? They slur their words, they, they stumble, they say things they shouldn't say. 
Well, the, the same is true that when we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we're going to say and do things that we don't normally do, that aren't normal to us. Only in this case, they're positive things. You can tell how somebody talks, whether they're under the influence of the Spirit or not. So again, we're not talking about this this mystical trance of walking around in some kind of spiritual coma, but we're talking about a real influence and power in your life that causes you to make certain decisions, that causes you to talk a certain way, to act a certain way. The evidence that one has received the Holy Spirit, that initial gift of the Holy Spirit, is the evidence of speaking in tongues. But that's not, speaking in tongues is not the evidence that you're a spiritual person. That's where so many Pentecostals and Charismatics get it wrong. Speak in tongues, you are spiritual. No, you walk in the light of the Word of God. You're spiritual because of the Holy Spirit's influence in your life. Galatians 5, we need to constantly be full of the Holy Spirit. That is, to be characterized by spirituality. To be characterized by knowing the will of God. Okay, let's, let's simplify that word spiritual. The world likes to talk about, oh, that person's a spiritual person because they go out and hug a tree or because they meditate or that's a spiritual person. No, that's not a spiritual person. A spiritual person is one who knows the will of God and who does it. It's that simple. I want to be spiritual. It's, it's not something we should be afraid of. We shouldn't look for the world's definition of what that means, but what God says it means walk in the spirit, live in the spirit. Galatians 5.16, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It really is that simple, but we have to recognize what that means, understand what that means. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. That's that battle of that two natures that we talked about. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. It's not a matter of do this, don't do that. It's a matter of seeking what God wants you to do because he loves you, not because he's just bossing you around, because he wants you to know the fullness of his love. You're not under law, you're under grace. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are? These are the deceitful lusts. Adultery. Oh, if you commit adultery, man, this will be great. It's a lie. Fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Well, what's like that? Anything that falls under that heading of selfishness. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All of those things pertain to the lost, pertain to the old nature, which is the only nature the lost have. So here's a contrast. That's them. That's their destiny. That's what belongs to them. Don't be partakers of their way of life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. All right, if you want to know if you're spiritual, here's, here's the evidence. You want to know if you're living by the Spirit, if you're walking in the Spirit, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, here's the evidence. Love, selflessness, 
wanting to live for the Lord Jesus Christ in his glory, number one. And when that's your number one desire, love for him, that love will be manifested to others. You will look and seek that which is in the best interest of those around you, love. Are you characterized by that? That can only happen. This divine love is only by the, the Spirit. It's not in me. I have the same nature as you all, and it's, it's what's best for Doug all the time, all day long. What's best for me? But the Spirit of God, who empowers the life of Christ in me, that spiritual life, it can seek what's best for my enemy. Is that, is that possible? Is that really? That's what it means to be spiritual, saints. Love your enemies. Want God's best for them. Joy, that calm delight even in the midst of tears. Are you characterized by that? This, I mean, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. You want to know if you're spiritual? This is it. Are you full of joy? Even when everything else, and doesn't mean you don't have questions. Doesn't mean that you're jumping up and down with happiness. But even in the midst of your tears, do you have this calm delight? You know, it's all right because God's in control. I don't understand it. I don't see how this could be in my best interest. But my joy is in knowing that God does. And he knows what he's doing. Are you spiritual? Peace. At peace that calmness that, that comes from wrapping yourself around the will of God, being one with God in his purpose, long-suffering, or do you give up the first sign of trouble? Do you whine and complain just because things aren't going the way you think they ought to go? That's not spiritual. Spiritual is being willing to continue to do what you know is right in the will of God, even when it looks like things aren't right you're going to continue to follow the instructions of the Word of God. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, and if you're a Christian, you're alive because of the Spirit. So if you're saved, if you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, once again, if that was automatic, well, you're saved, so now you're going to walk in the Spirit. If that was automatic, this would, this would be pointless. Why would Paul say this? Because since you live in the Spirit, since you're born again, since you've been given this new nature, since you've been given the very presence of the, the Holy Spirit, now walk in the Spirit. Be led by Him. Let Him control your life. Let Him produce and Cause these virtues to grow in your life. But do you want to be characterized by these things? Are these things important to you? Do you value them? If you do, then you're going to redeem the time. You're going to buy up the opportunities to allow the Holy Spirit to work these things in your life. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is not a competition. This is you desiring to be everything God wants you to be, but you also have that same desire for those around you. That's, again, another reason why we assemble together. It's not just for ourselves; It's important for our own growth and maturity. But hopefully you're here today to encourage and to support others. That's why I'm here. It's not a competition who can be the best Christian, but it's a desire to please our Father and to help others. Because when we encourage and, and cause spiritual growth in others, that brings glory to our Father. And so that we're happy with that. That should be our desire. 
Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You will be spiritual if you let the Spirit direct your life, starting with the Word of God. Know what the Bible says about every area, and it, it touches on all the major areas of our life, our work, our family, the local assembly, all the different kinds of relationships there are in life. The Bible gives us specific instructions, and that's direction from the Holy Spirit. Are you listening? It'll lead to spiritual maturity if you receive them. But then when you know the will of God, you're not going to be able to do it on your own. And that's where we often throw up our hands. I, I, I can't be the kind of Christian God wants me to be. That's because you're trying in your own efforts. Cry out to the Father for the empowering of the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's real, and he's there to do this work in your life. Those that practice are under the influence of the deceitful lusts of the Spirit. They, they just There's death that takes place, death to spiritual fruit, to spiritual maturity, to your testimony. But if you walk in the Spirit, you're going to know the fullness of the love of God in your life. Psalm 119, 105. Again, how are you led by the Spirit? Start here. Don't, don't make it something that's so mysterious. Well, I don't know what Brother Doug's talking about. And Start here. Psalm 119, 105. Make this your prayer. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So we're talking about guidance. We're talking about direction. And the Holy Spirit is the one who does that. So it's the Holy Spirit that gives us light to our path. So we can see what the next step is. He doesn't give you a full-scale map of your life from beginning to end. You're born, and then he gives you a map, and this is what you're going to experience and do, and that's where you're going to end up. And No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't give you the Google map, but he will give you a lamp. This is the next step. It's his word. Jump back to Psalm 43 in verse 3. This is how you're led by the Spirit who inspired the word of God. Make this your prayer. You want to be spiritual? Make this your prayer. Oh, send out your light and your truth, Psalm 43, 3. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. And in the light of what we've read in the New Testament, we can say, let them lead me to your fullness, to the fullness of God. That's where you start. And then as you become familiar with the will of God as revealed in the word of God and you continue to seek the Lord and seek in Scripture when you have a decision to make and you go to Scripture. Because you have learned to recognize the voice of the Spirit in the Bible, in the Word of God, in His instructions, then you're going to be able to recognize His voice when you have to make those decisions that aren't clearly revealed in the, in the Bible. Now we have the, for example, who, who am I going to marry? Well, you start out with the scripture, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Start there. That's a good leading point. It'll get you in the right direction. And then from that point, you'll be able to, okay, well, this one, he's a Christian. But now the Holy Spirit also makes it clear through the word of God, not specifically concerning who you marry. This is just one example. But I'm trying to present how, how practical it is to be led by the Spirit. And so we know it's important for you to, you're made to be saved. But that, that's not the only desire that God has for his people. He wants people to follow the scripture. And so if you're looking for a mate, that's another thing that the Holy Spirit will lead you to. Is this person showing by their life, by their decisions, 
that they want God's best in life, that they want to honor him. Not just that they were saved one day, but are they walking with the Lord? So see, the Holy Spirit's already beginning to direct you just a little bit beyond that basic statement in Scripture. Don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And then little by little, you say, Lord, this one seems to walk with the Lord, seems to love me. Is this the one you have for me? God has things for your life that will lead to his best, but we won't enjoy them if we don't desire to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so you can take those same principles and apply it to any area of your life and know that the Holy Spirit will direct you and you'll recognize his voice at that point. You'll be able to to have that peace. Whenever the Spirit is leading you, there will be this peace that passes understanding. This is the right decision. You may still have questions. I'm not saying that you will always, well, I have no question. This this is it. But what about that? You know, no, I know that's, there are a lot of things when you make the right decision in the will of God, you still won't know how things are going to end up. But you trust him. And there's this peace. God's doing the work in me. I'm being led by the spirit. I desire it. I seek it. I buy up the opportunities. I have the peace of God. And then whatever, whatever happens after that, that's in his hands. I'm in the will of God. Over and over again, you see Paul and his experience and be, be led by the Holy Spirit. Did he have trials after doing the will of God? Yeah, sometimes he got beat up and thrown in jail, and he was right where God wanted him to be. And he still had the, he had so much peace, he was beaten up and thrown in jail in, in uh, Philippi. And he had so much peace in the will of God, even though things seemed to be going completely contrary, he began to sing praises to God. That's being led by the Spirit. He knew he was where he needed to be because he sought the will of the Lord and he obeyed. We need to do the same thing. Well, we need to close here. Let's go to Romans 8, and we'll close with verses 12 to 18. Started out here. We'll finish here. Romans eight twelve. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. That never did anything for you. <laughs> you have no obligations to live according to the flesh. You have no obligation to live like the world. Oh, they'll try to influence you. You have no obligation to the world. You're dead to the world. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You'll, you'll know the fullness of life. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We're born once. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What a statement. In the will of God there is suffering. But that suffering actually produces a far greater measure of glory for us in eternity when we walk in the Spirit, when we live according to the Spirit. May we desire truly to be full of the fullness of the love of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll close with that this, this morning. Let's have a song in closing.